Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Telling the Story podcast, a look at how journalists and everyone reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. My guest today, one of the good guys in local TV news, he is the reigning National Press Photographers Association Reporter of the Year. He's won National Murrow Awards for writing, National Gabriel Awards for his work. One of the good guys, but this past month he had a tough assignment, Hurricane Matthew. This reporter from Nashville went down to Florida to cover the before, during, and after as Matthew made its way along the coast. We're going to talk about that and his general tips for storytellers from WTBF in Nashville, Jason Lamb. Welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, and uh, thank you for doing this on what I would imagine uh, is still some recovery time from your coverage. Yeah, I, th- I think I've uh, finally cut up, caught up on uh, sleep, I think. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, uh, incredible experience. I'd never, um, never covered a hurricane before. So it was, uh, definitely something I'm going to remember for a long time. Well, let's start from the beginning. When did you learn you'd be heading down to Florida? And, and, and I guess even with that, describe your situation. You work at a station in Nashville and you were called down to help your station, sister station in Florida. Yeah. So our station in Nashville, WTVF is owned by Scripps. And they have a a station down in West Palm, a powerhouse station, WPTV. And it was about a week before we went down uh, that um, our bosses uh, in Nashville said, hey, would you uh, be interested in um, going down to Florida to potentially uh, cover this hurricane? Um, And they got in contact with um, uh, photographer, uh, Catherine Stewart, who I work with, uh, who I work with a lot and former um, podcast well. guest. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Um, and a, uh, a, a truck engineer at our station, Carrie Clark. So, uh, we were all kind of on standby for the, I guess I'd say for about a week. Um, and then it wasn't until Tuesday, uh, of the week that the hurricane was coming last week, uh, that, they finally made the call, the Scripps folks made the call to send us and reporters from uh, reporters and crews from all over uh, the country uh, to go down to West Palm. So we had less than 24 hours official notice that we were going to be going down there. Wow. So obviously you had a job to do, and we'll talk about professionally how you prepared and what you did. But before we get into that, just personally, how did you feel when you heard this assignment and you heard it was actually going to happen? Yeah, I, I, because we hadn't heard anything for like a week, I wasn't assuming that we were actually going to go. But as the tracks kept bringing the hurricane closer and closer to shore, um, yeah, I, we really didn't have, I really didn't have a ton of time to react because by the time that our plane tickets were booked and I knew we were going to be, uh, heading out there the next day, I still had to work a nightside shift uh, at my station and <laughs> get all this gear that I didn't have. You know, I didn't have good, really good rain gear. I didn't have good rain boots. So um, it was a whirlwind of trying to uh, get all the just gear that we needed to get ready. I know Catherine had, you know, all sorts of things to set up with her cameras, batteries, all, uh, all sorts of things like that. 
Um, I started calling a, a friend of mine who used to work in that market and has covered a hurricane before as just kind of advice on what to bring. But <laughs> it was very much a, a whirlwind of getting everything ready and making sure we had everything that we needed to to cover this storm. But I mean, it, it, you get a call from uh, you know your corporate bosses to come down and cover a huge story. Like I, yeah, I was very. Uh, very excited to be able to be a part of that. I know in the past when I've gotten assignments that I knew in advance would be long, you know, multiple days at a time, certainly those days being incredibly long hours, as I imagine this was for you. And, and when I've gotten those calls and those assignments, there's a part of me that has had to go through almost a process of bracing myself, knowing that, okay, these next two, three days, maybe a week, however long it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult. I'm probably not going to be able to think about anything other than work for that amount of time. And and it does, even in the rush of preparation like you were talking about, I felt that way about kind of having to steel myself for, okay, we know what's coming. This is going to be unlike a usual week in news and in my job. Did you feel something similar or did you just kind of go into it and try to keep the blinders on about how grueling things were going to be? I mean, I knew how... I got an idea of how grueling things were going to be just in talking with other people who had covered hurricanes before in just the weather conditions alone, making sure that you were able to stay, you know, as dry as possible. But yes, in the context of of that, knowing that we were going to be going out there to cover this huge event, no matter what it is, a a hurricane or a riot or whatever this huge event may be, it's always in the back of your mind. You're kind of getting ready that... um, you you are going to be focused 100% on this. This is going to consume your life for the next two, three, four, five, however many days you're down there. Um, but yeah, so it, it's definitely something that you, you start thinking about. Now, on a professional level, you were sent down there to help your station. I'm sure they had some idea of what they wanted from you. How did you view your job and your assignment and your task going down there, what you needed to accomplish down in Florida? Well, I think, you know, first first and foremost was to keep people down there safe, P- keep people in the eye of, of the hurricane, in the path of the hurricane safe. When we went down there, we didn't exactly know what our our, our plan was going to be, what their plan for us was going to be. But, I mean, keeping in mind, and, and the folks who organized this team coverage from all of our stations were really, really great. They know that they've got a team of reporters down there who know hurricanes better than, you know, certainly I do, who know the area certainly better than I do. Um, so, you know, those people were sent to kind of the spots that, you know, a, t- a crew of reporters and photographers teams would typically go to, you know, in in a hurricane. Um and then when we got there, uh, they finally they told us that what we were going to be doing was essentially morning show live shots for all of the uh, you know stations in the Scripps family. So that's what we were doing kind of early in the morning, kind of preparing ourselves for once we got down there. Um, but then afterwards, um, we did find time to you know shoot you know, a traditional package every day that we would be able to send out as well. And this is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Jason Lamb, the NPPA's reigning reporter of the year. And 
I mention that because, you know, I, I know I think of you first and foremost as a great storyteller and a feature reporter, and I know so many in our industry and in our field do. And here you get this assignment, which, you know, there are any number of just powerful, poignant stories to go and tell, and your assignment is to almost entirely be live and be tethered to one spot. Yeah, and, and I think I, I told Catherine this several times while we were down there. I think we had almost a perfect assignment in that way because in the in the morning, yes, we had to be tethered to to be live. But at the same time, you know, we're getting information out there to to so many people across the country, and not to mention we were doing hits, multiple hits for that local station, uh, WPTV, down there as well. So we, at that point, we could be a little more specific with what we were seeing you know, compared to other uh, cities in the region. But then after, the, after all that was over, at about uh, 10 in the morning, I think, was our, our, our last uh, live shot hit, that's the point where, yeah, we could break away from that live truck and go find a story. And I think that's that's why it's really smart what what the scripts team did because you know while their reporters that actually work at that station are you know covering it as it happens because people do need to know that of course you know as this hurricane's approaching they need to know where it is what what the effects are going at at this very moment we were able to sort of break away from that after our kind of our first half of our our day uh, and and find the people that are affected by this and take a little more time to tell their specific stories rather than just the the live coverage that was going on throughout this whole thing and then present that story you know sometime later on in that day or uh, present it to other stations that wanted to pick it up. Yeah, and I, I think there's such an important dual role that, the news and specifically local TV news plays in those situations because, you know, I, I read an article this week about how events like Hurricane Matthew are the reason why local TV news will never fully go away because you need that kind of visual and video reporting of the immediate information of what's going on locally. And so that's what you're there to do in the morning, and that's what reporters should be doing throughout an event like this. But then there is also, I think, the responsibility of a station to chronicle an event and and you know have those quote stories of record and, and have those kind of stories that humanize what's going on and get into people's lives so that it connects people who aren't from that area or people who aren't as affected to what's going on so it probably i would imagine like you said the best of both worlds for you and while you're going out and telling those stories in the afternoon there are other people who are handling the more informational aspects i would assume yeah, exactly. And that's why I think the, the setup was was just so great, because, you know, to tell those stories about people, you don't necessarily have to be an expert in hurricanes. You don't necessarily have to know uh, all the roads in the area um, by heart, because you can just go up to people and, you know, some of the things that we we talked about in our stories and and I, I think was important to bring out was it's just it's all just a very human they're they're very human reactions the 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 need to the the feeling that you need to stay in your house and protect it yourself versus the struggle to you know what government officials are telling you to leave um, so like we were able to focus on those more universal human things that I think doesn't require necessarily 
um, you know, I- extreme expertise on on a hurricane per se. And I think the same goes for the viewers too. You know, as a viewer, yeah. you don't necessarily need to be an expert on hurricane tracks and and where the storm's hitting at a particular point to feel for that person who has to decide whether or not to stay or go. And that was one of the two stories. I know you sent me a few links of pieces that you and Catherine did out there, and that was one of them about folks that, you know, against uh, against maybe the better advice of others were deciding to stay. Yeah, and and that's uh, that's something that if if everyone certainly hasn't ex- experienced a feeling like that specifically because of a hurricane, I'm sure, you know, maybe at some point in their lives they've they can they know someone or maybe they've experienced that themselves because you know you don't the natural instinct i think is is to protect your home and and if it's not exactly your house home you're talking about maybe your hometown that you're talking about or you you know you can define home in a lot of different ways but there is that natural instinct to want to stay and try to protect what's yours um, even though you're being faced like we were in this case with a potentially catastrophic hurricane uh, co- coming in. And and I think that that's what that second half of our day was was allowing us to really focus in on was these sort of universal feelings that can connect with the most people you know, watching at home. So let's talk about that, uh, that storytelling process of finding those stories. Obviously, there is so much going on and there are so many people affected. But, you know, as we've all learned who cover these kinds of stories or who cover any story, it can be difficult to pinpoint the people who you want to talk to or just simply find them. How did you go about doing that when you and Catherine were down there? I think it was – I think this actually – was another example of why being kind of out of town from out of town helped us in in this way, because as newcomers, we aren't used to the hurricane coverage. So, you know, if we see something that looks out of place, like for example, an entire beach that's been, you know, ice that has been evacuated with no one there. And then you see a couple on, you know, at right at the side of the beach filling up sandbags, you know, something that appears out of the ordinary to us. um, That was our kind of our first clue as to, okay, these people, you know, are doing something. We kind of step back and watch them for a little bit um, before, you know, going up to them and asking, Hey, what are you doing? Can we, can can we throw a mic on you while you're, while you're doing this, packing up sandbags to um, protect your home. And, um, that's kind of how, you know, uh, we got things started. A- another thing that we were able to notice, uh, you know, Catherine and I have talked about uh, team uh, storytelling in the past. Um, she noticed this lone uh, purple flower, this like tiny purple flower. It was like all by itself and just kind of what I would call shivering in the 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 wind that was picking up with the hurricane coming. And, you know, that was just, I had never, you know, in hurricane coverage, I'd never seen, you know, something as specific as that. I just thought it was a cool shot, really. So we, uh, we shot that. Um, there was another, uh, couple shots that she got of these seagulls or birds on, on the beach. Uh, you know, as the waves would come in, they'd stay there as long as they could. But then at the last minute, you know, they'd, they'd fly away or run away. And I just, in looking at those shots and, you know, looking at what 
uh, these two people were doing with their sandbags. That's kind of where I got the idea of if you if you watch the story, this whole theme of you know doing what's natural to you know want to want to stay as long as you can and protect your home, and that's exactly what these two people were doing. Mm. What were some of the you mentioned the flower and you mentioned the the birds kind of flying away at the last second when you were down there, what were some of the sights that you didn't expect that maybe especially as someone who hadn't covered a hurricane before just did not see coming? You know, it is, it's one thing to watch pictures of hurricane coverage on TV. I think after now seeing it for myself, it's another thing to, you know, be, in the car driving down a interstate without the lights on, you know, around you, um, seeing road signs flapping around in the wind like ribbons, practically um, worried about worried about whether they're going to fly off at any point, uh, you know. Um, so I, these are all images that I think I've seen before. Definitely, I think we've all seen before, but until you're actually there looking at it, it really just doesn't sink in um, as to as, as to what you're looking at and, and what it could do to you. And did it affect you emotionally when you were down there? Did Is that something you guys talked about or that you felt you kind of needed to talk about? Or, or was it something you kind of internalized, tried to put it into the work? How did you approach just seeing these things, which, again, I, I would imagine would be pretty shocking? So we had, as as you you said, we had some very long working days. Probably, you know, the two the two main days we were down there were sixteen, seventeen hour days. While that was going on, um, you know, while we were driving down the interstate, for example, seeing seeing these things, we really did try to internalize it because we just had so much work to do, from the live shots in the morning to turning a package uh, in in the evening. But I think after after the shift was over, um, we were back in our hotel rooms. We actually one day uh, stayed. We had to hunker down in a the home of a like Scripps finance uh, director. She had a home uh, in in the path of the storm that had like storm glass and everything. And so we like actually all stayed there. Really, uh, one night. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, surprising to get that call, but. It, it was a it was a great safe place to stay. Uh, you know, Scripps wanted to make sure everybody was going to be safe. Um, that was like obviously their first priority. That was our first priority. But so it was in those moments, those I guess hours that we were finally off the clock. That um, you know, all, all four of us, uh, Carrie Clark, our, our uh, truck engineer, Catherine Stewart, myself, and our field producer Tanya Simpson. Uh, would be able to finally unwind a little bit uh, and kind of process what you know we, we'd seen all day. Oh my goodness, that's that's always such a bizarre experience when you find yourself in an in an off station setting with someone of great power in your company and and station. <laughs> I would think. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it it was it was kind of a bizarre situation because the home. It, this this was like her home and her husband. So um, her husband doesn't work in news, but her husband was the person that was like pretty much home the whole time. I don't. I, we we never actually even met the 
<laughs> that woman the uh, that works for the kind of Scripps corporate office. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was a the the husband was just so incredibly nice to to take us in and. He like fed us all dinner and like offered us like, you know, places to stay for the night. Um, you know, we couldn't have asked for anything better from them. But, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, after after everything we had seen to <laughs> kind of take refuge in, in a place like that, that was definitely unexpected. <laughs> I'll never forget my uh, second year in Buffalo, my second station. There was a massive. It was actually ten years ago this week. It was, there was a massive snowstorm that uh, hit in October, and I actually could not get out of the driveway of my apartment at the time. I had, I had like, you know, a sedan, and it could not get through all the ice and everything. And the GM of our station actually came and picked me up because he had a giant SUV, and he came and picked me up and drove me to work. And it was the, one of the most surreal things in a very surreal week was having the GM pick me up and escort me to work. And I felt a lot more powerful in that moment than I probably ever would ever again, I would think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know what? I think that's so great. What's so great about these potentially, you know, catastrophic stories like this, when, when there is a huge story going on, I think everybody understands that they're all here to to help everybody else. And like it, it's it's in situations like that, what you were talking about, and then the hurricane uh, last week that, you know, you you really see that. Yeah. And you have to in, in order to tell the story the best way. And I think you're right. That's a great example of how sometimes we do all come together around the best story and, and doing what needs to be done to make it happen. One thing I wanted to ask you just finally on this subject, you know, you, you mentioned working 17 hour days. Obviously, you're you're getting very wet and you're in pretty adverse conditions. How did you try to stave off just the discomfort, the fatigue, the chances of getting sick? How did you try to take care of yourselves in that situation? Well, I was actually uh, just just getting over a cold at the time oh, that no. we uh, went down there. So I'm sure the 17-hour days didn't uh, exactly <laughs> help with, with that. Um, but... I think the preparation as far as the rain gear, I, I was surprised at how, how well the, the rain gear uh, held up. Um, Catherine had actually uh, outfitted several uh, garbage bags, trash bags, uh, so they could fit around her camera. Um, she, I think she only went through like two garbage bags the whole time, even though, I mean, we were constantly getting pelted with wind and rain. It's like, that was one of the most interesting things I think I discovered uh, was these like everyday items like, pre like protected us the best like possible way <laughs> that they could, you know, we're turning to Ziploc bags for the iPhones and garbage bags for the cameras. But I mean, as far as uh, the like staving off fatigue and stuff at the end of the second day that it, it, I mean, it definitely, I was definitely feeling it at the end of our second set of four hours of live shots. And, and these are live shots where they're coming in practically every five minutes, um, to different stations. Um, I, I really was starting to feel it after, after the, the live shots were over, you know, we still had to go, you know, find, find a story for that day for, for our package. Um, so, but when just knowing why we're down there at that point, I just said, okay, this is why we're down here is to tell these stories 
And so at that point, you try to take whatever fatigue you may be feeling and say, look, you know, it's not that much longer. And what you're dealing with, what you're personally dealing with is nothing compared to what all these, you know, residents down here are having to deal with in this storm. So, you know, you just kind of suck it up and and (laughs) power through. Very good outlook (laughs) on it. And and like I said, I, I think it's almost the outlook you have to have because it's not like it's not like the work's not going to exist you're still gonna have to do the work and you're in that situation so you do just have to make the best of it uh jason before we move on just any other overall thoughts on on the experience of covering the hurricane any any tips for folks who uh who haven't done it but obviously might be pressed into doing it at some point in their careers um, you know, as, as far as hurricanes go again, I'll say, you know, I'm certainly still not a, an expert on them by any means, but, um, you know, it, it, overall, it was a great experience, something, like I said, I'd never done before. Um, I know a lot more, th- this kind of coverage is happening a lot more with these, uh, bigger ownership groups. And, um, you know, I would just say if, if you get the opportunity to um, do anything like this, be it a hurricane or, or, or something else, absolutely just jump at the opportunity because it's something you'll never forget. And it's, an, it's important work. It is important work uh, for the people where you're headed and for, for viewers across the country. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. My guest is Jason Lamb of WTBF-TV in Nashville. Jason, I like to use this final section to talk about advice for younger journalists. Um, You have done what I think most aspiring reporters wish to do. You've come up the ranks quickly, established yourself in a very nice market, and you get to tell great stories on a regular basis. What is your advice to those who are just starting out who want to achieve that in their young careers? Well, I'm I'm still um, I, I'm still very surprised at, at at where I am. You know, even even now, um, I'm sure some people listening to this have seen that video floating around when I uh, won that the uh, uh, re- the uh, NPPA Photojournalism Award for reporting and and I, one of the all time who... great uh, reaction videos in in no, award history. For, for... <laughs> For those for those who haven't seen it, I strongly recommend not watching it because I can I can think of we'll go ahead and an post infinite the link. number of an infinite number of things better to do with your time than watch someone stand around and say almost next to nothing for two minutes. I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> and, and cut you off there, Jason, and, and let anyone who's listening know know that the uh, the link to that video will be in the show notes for this podcast. Oh. So go ahead check that oh, out. Boy. Uh, but yeah, go on, Jason. Oh. What were you saying about that? <laughs> I. I, I <sighs> As, as stunned as I am about that, I, I guess for younger journalists, what I would say is just watch as many stories as you can from different markets, from different reporters, um, and just try to absorb as much, you know, journalism and storytelling a, 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 as you can. I know, you know, we all have very busy jobs, but taking that time to kind of learn from other people, um, a variety of different um, people is so important, especially, I, I think, uh, at a younger age. And an- another big thing I would say is ask for critiques. And I, I, you know, I say, you know, watch as many stories as you can, ask for critiques. I think the Storyteller's Facebook page, not to cross promote here, but Please uh, do. I think, I think, I think that is that is such a great resource for so many people because you can do both of those things right on that page. But you know, when I first started before that page existed, 
I would email reporters. I would email those people the you know that I was standing on that stage with uh, this year. I would email them and ask for critiques, what they thought of my work every every so often. Um, and I guess another piece of advice for younger journalists I would give is as much as you can, if if you're out there in in a scene, whatever you're covering, try as hard as you can not to be a reporter. Try, and what I mean by that is be a bystander, be an observer. Don't be so uh, you know, preoccupied with that next follow-up question that you're going to be asking that you might miss um, you know, uh, someone's facial expression that may say so much more than an answer you're going to get out of a next question that, that you may ask. Stop. Take the time to stop and think and 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 look a, look around you to see where you are. And again, just be as much an observer and a, a bystander as you can, because that's what really you know we're being paid for. We get the privilege to stand in for thousands of people who can't be at a certain location or maybe don't want to be at a certain location. So that's. The ability to be in tune with what you're feeling when you watch something and paying attention to what's really going around you is so important. Mm, very well said. And the other thing that I really admire about you, uh, especially as someone I don't work with a photographer, uh, I hardly ever do. But you not only uh, work with a photographer, but you've developed a beautiful synergy with Catherine Stewart and just the work, the teamwork that you have. And, and you know, I'm sure covering the hurricane, like you said, there were plenty of moments where, you know, just having that background in history of working together really came through. And, and I admire your ability to make the most of that. I think a lot of reporters who work with photographers and vice versa don't really make the most of that situation. It's why I always say that I feel like MMJs a lot of times have it better because we have a certain autonomy. We can be the, the team of ourselves, so to speak. But in your case though, you really, really make it work with Catherine, and you've got that great rapport. You both spoke about uh, storytelling as a team at uh, the recent MPPA Southeast Storytelling Workshop that we put on, and uh, and it was really just fun to hear you guys talk about your dynamic. What are the things that storytellers, both uh, whether they be traditional reporters or photographers or MMJs, what do you feel like they can take away from those lessons of teamwork? I think, you know, it, it's really just comes down to communication, um, making sure that you are on the same page uh, with each other as to where you hope the story is go- a story that you're working on is going to go, um, what you hope to get out of the story, maybe when things aren't going the way you plan, um, just talking about, okay, what's our next strategy? What's our next plan? And, you know, of course, if you're working with a uh, if you're working with a photographer, if you're working in a two person team, that is a conversation you actually have to have out loud. But like you were saying, um, as an MMJ, uh, you can still have those conversations. It's just within yourself. But it's 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 again, if you're working as an MMJ, it's just as important to again take a step back a little bit and ask yourself those questions. What do I have? What's going well? What do I need? Uh, even if you don't have that second person to physically say those things to. I actually think your advice from before about being an observer and a bystander is almost 
it's almost more pressing for the MMJs to realize that because as a reporter, while a photographer is shooting something, you can you can be a little more of a bystander and observe. There are moments and, and minutes where you have that opportunity, whereas an MMJ, I think the natural inclination is to want to immediately, you know, there, there's really not a moment because you're the one who's doing something at any given time. So it's very difficult to take a step back. But I actually think, I know the, the best MMJs that I've seen, that is something that they do regularly. They consciously make an effort to take that step back and, and try to look from a big picture perspective, even at the smallest or seemingly smallest of stories. Yeah, and and that's why I have a, just a, an incredible amount of respect for MMJs, people, Matt, like that do what you do, um, because I am I am not an MMJ, and I you know they do have to juggle so much more just themselves. But that you know being that observer is why it's why that is so critical to like whether you're a photographer or an MMJ or a reporter. You just have to know the technical stuff of what you're doing just so like backwards and forwards. You got to know your camera backwards and forwards. So, uh, you know, if if you are if you are an MMJ, you're not, you know, fiddling around with white balance or something when something huge is going on. Like you can do all that stuff second nature and you really can focus in on the things that are going on so you can be an observer just the same as like I said with reporters don't be focusing on your next question as much um, when there's something right there in the moment that you can be paying attention to very cool uh, Jason that's all the questions I have but uh, I always like to end with that famous reporters question one I'm sure you've asked before is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to add no, I think this is uh, – uh, thank you so much for having me on. I, I guess I would just say, uh, you know, for younger journalists and, and really everybody, uh, I guess another piece of advice I, I would just have is just never stop learning. You know, we're the, one of the things about this business, of course, is that it is always changing. So, like, there's always something new for you to learn. I mean, just the other week I, I, I learned a, a new mobile uh, – an app. Uh, to put fonts or like text over uh, video on your iPhone. So there always is uh, opportunity to learn new things, new ways to tell stories. And at the same time, you know, keep trying to get better at the skills that you already have. Jason Lamb, thank you so much. Great times talking with you. Uh, Great work covering the hurricane and great job uh, doing all of the great work you've done uh, in recent years. And thank you so much for joining me on the Telling the Story podcast. Hey, thanks so much. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.